This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this week's Pasha is Balak. Well, before we get to Pasha Balak, we're going to talk about a Mishnah in Perek, Vav and Pekayavos. The Mishnah says as following. Omar Rav Yaisi ben Kisma. Rav Yaisi ben Kisma said, Pa'am achas I was once walking on the street, walking on the way, walking on the highway. Upagabi Adam Echad. And a man met me. It's a very strong Russian for meeting. He like bumped into me. Upagabi Adam Echad. This man met me. He didn't meet him, but the man met him. Vinasan Li Shalom. And he said, Shalom Aleichem. Exactly Li Shalom. So Yosef Kismet said, So I answered him, Aleichem Shalom. Am Ali. So this man said to me, Rebbe, Rabbi. Where are you from? Where are you from? Brooklyn, Queens, Lakewood. Where are you from? Muncie. Amatilo. So Rav Kisma answered him. Didn't tell him where he was from. Didn't give him the information. Told him, You want to know where I'm from? I'm from a city, huge city, full of Chachamim and Seifrim. Tzadikim, wise people, rabbis, learners. Amali. So this man that bumped into me said, or met me said, Rabbi, Rabbi, Would you be willing to live with us in our place, where I come from? Again, that, not telling him where he comes from. So they're both having a discussion here. No one knows where the other one's coming from. I will give you thousands and thousands of gold dinars. Vavanim Taivais, if you would come live with us, we give you beautiful diamonds, uh, stones, umargolios, and jewels. Why does he want him to live with him? Where does he live? Nothing. Okay, so he answers him back. This Rabbi Yosef and Kisma just got a crazy offer to go out of town. Millions and millions of dollars. What does he answer him? He said to him, If you gave me all the silver and gold and beautiful stones and jewels in the whole world. Right? He offered him thousands of gold. And he didn't offer him silver, actually, but okay. He said, you gave me all the money in the world. I only will live in a place where there's Tyra. How did he know? But there was no Torah in the place where this guy lived. He didn't tell him where he lived. So what's the mission saying here? He met a guy. Right away, this guy says to him, where do you, where do you come from? Right? He doesn't answer him. He says, I come from a city of Tzadikim. And the guy right away makes him an offer. Doesn't know who he is. Oh, I'll give you millions. Just come to my town. And without knowing what town it is, he answers him back. He says, I wouldn't come to your town if you gave me a million dollars. Because I'll only go to a place where they're learning Torah. Hey, maybe they're learning Torah in this town. He didn't say they weren't learning any Tyre in his town. Okay. He says, the chain comes and says, tell me they don't have a So now this rabbi, Yosef and Kisma, is giving him a whole muster schmooze. And he's telling him, it says, and to him, it is better to me the Tyre of your mouth than all thousands of gold and silver. He's not finished giving him a speech. And not only that, when a person dies, they don't 
bring it, take it to the Levaya with silver and gold and beautiful stones and jewels. All you go to the next world with is you tell your and tell and they wrap you up in a white, long jacket. And that's it. In Israel, they don't even put you in a box. They dump you off the stretcher into the ground. Finito. You go into the ground with a little white thing around you. And that's the only thing between you and the maggots and the worms. And that's it. You have nothing else in there. Not your car keys. And not your bank account. And nothing else. It's all a person has. Now, I don't know. I don't think that's a speech you give some guy who just offered you to give you a lot of money to come be a rob in his town. That's not nice. What's going, what's this, what's this exchange? Okay. And you all know my story about the guy who dies and he goes to the next world and, and, and the three people that, you know, the people, the, 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 his friends don't, you know, don't, don't, don't go, his money doesn't go with him at all. His money stays in the bank. That's what you're busy with your whole life. 80% of a person's time is spent making a living, trying to make a living. And that's what you're busy with your whole life to make money. And then guess what? You leave it for other people. Silly life, this life that we have, no? You work, you work, you work, you work. And then when you die, you don't even take it with you. Everybody else gets it. And they spend it in two seconds. All that hard work. Right? So your best friend in life, which is money, you take, goes nowhere. It doesn't even, when you drop dead, it doesn't even come out of the bank to say goodbye to you. Hey, you know? They don't even give you your wallet with your credit cards. Nothing. Finito. It doesn't move. It doesn't move. Right? Okay. So that's your best friend. Then you got your family. You don't spend so much time with your family as you do making money. Your family, so they like you very much. They come to the Levaya. And some of them cry. Some of them are happy you dropped dead. Some of them are not so happy you dropped dead. Right? Some people are crying. Some people are saying good for him, whatever. And so your good close friends, you know those ten cars that line up with the lights on? They go to the graveyard. And they stand by the grave. And your family stands by the grave. And my father-in-law, Allah Shalom, used to always say, nobody, he never saw anyone jump into the grave with the person. Say, look, I want to, I want to be buried with them. Maybe, maybe there are some people that want to do that, but, but no, I'm saying normally, no, they, they, they cry and everyone throws some dirt on the thing. And then everyone turns around and gets into their car and goes home. They bring the veil and something to eat. Everybody sits down. They talk about the person and the person's in the grave all by himself. You come by yourself and you go out by yourself. And everything in between, is a moment and it doesn't stay nothing nothing you go out with one more piece of clothing than when you come in you come in you have nothing on you go out you have one piece of clothing on without pockets without anything so they don't go with you either so your family don't go with you your money don't go with you your kids don't go with you nothing goes with you except the Torah that you learned and the mitzvahs that you did that's it you come up to the next world that is all that's in your bank account. Nobody cares how much money you have. I got news for you. You don't even need to know that in the next world. Whoever's not a coin in this room, go for a tour in the graveyard. Go to a, a Jewish graveyard and go for a tour and read gravestones. You will never find on a Jewish gravestone, he was a millionaire. <laughs> he had a beautiful house in the Hamptons. Read a gravestone and you'll know what a person's job is in this world. You'll see Chassid, Sadiq, Bal Chesed, took care of his children, took care of Aniyim, learned Torah. You're not going to see anything about a Beamer. They had a beautiful Beamer car, BMW or, or, a, or his uh, Mercedes. You're not going to see anything about how big his house was or his bank account 
all that work, and when you're dead on the stone, all they put is what you did mice and type in the world. That's it. So somebody said, if you want, and the biggest Muslim safer is to walk through a graveyard. I'm not kidding. And look what it says about people. And you'll see that nothing about money and nothing about how strong you were or you hit a, a, a grand slam in the baseball league. I told the guy, I played baseball this past Sunday morning. I'm in the OBBL. And there are these young guys that take it so seriously. Right? And I'm like, yeah, they take it. They're very, very serious. If you make an error, it's like he's focusing hard on them or something. I don't know. You know, they don't want to talk to you again. Like, switch them, switch them. Get them off first base. He dropped the ball. You know, like, they get crazy. If you strike out, forget about it. Just don't come back next week, you know? Everyone's so serious. And I'm like, I've never seen someone's average on his, on his gravestone. You know, it's not that important. If it's not on your gravestone, it's not that important. So, so those are the three things. And the only thing you take is, so here, what he is, te- what he is telling them is, he's telling this, this guy who met him, since the only thing he brought to the table was, Rabbi, come to my town. What am I going to give you? A good yeshiva? We're going to bring a hundred guys to learn in your kailau? We're going to bring a rosh yeshiva? No. His offer was money, jewels, diamonds. So Yosemite Kisman knew where this guy was coming from already. So he said, if you're not offering me Torah and mitzvahs, so this town that you're coming from, has no Torah mitzvahs. And if that's the case, I'm not interested. You can't buy me. You can't buy me. So, there's a very fascinating story, which I think we can all, we can all understand very well. So, I've said this many years ago. I don't know if some guys probably did hear it, some guys didn't hear it. I was wired up here. Okay. So, the story goes like this. And then I'll explain to you a new translation on this Mishnah that I just learned a few weeks ago. So the story is like this. There was a king. There's always a king in my stories. There was a king, and the king had a servant that just outperformed everybody else. He was just, he was amazing. He was supposed to work 9 to 5, and he was still in the palace working at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And the king wanted to show this, this, this servant, he wanted to show him appreciation. And he didn't know what to do. And he decided, you know what he's going to do? He's going to let this servant go down into the treasury where he has all the diamonds and silver and crowns and all, all the king's treasury in the vault. He's going to give him one hour in that vault. And everything he brings out of the vault belongs to him. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. So the king called him in. He said, listen, you've been a servant for me for 30 years and you've been amazing. And my reward to you is that tomorrow at 5 o'clock I'm opening the vault from 5 to 6 Whatever you bring out of the vault will belong to you. The servant goes home. He is so excited. He tells his family, you got to all come. I'm going to the vault and I'm going to bring stuff out for the family and my cousins and for the people in the town. And he wants to help everybody. And the word is a fire. It's flying around. Everyone figured whoever's going to be at the door when he comes out, when he keeps coming out, they're going to get stuff. So well, there's like a million people out there because whatever he brings out, he's going to share with everybody else. Now, there was one other servant who was very jealous of this whole situation. And he couldn't see that this servant, which worked together with him, was getting this reward. He wasn't. Because this guy was a miserable guy. He hardly he didn't even work from 9 to 5. He was supposed to be 9 to 5. He made this other guy work all the time for him. So he was trying to scheme in a way to make sure that this servant, who's supposed to go into the treasury, will get nothing. So he sat down that night, the night before, and he said, how am I going to do this to be able to stop this servant 
from getting into the vault and getting all this money. He knew he couldn't stop from getting into the vault. And he came up with a brilliant idea. Since he was working with him together for the last 30 years, he knew all his weaknesses. And he knew that this guy loved, loved, loved scotch. He was into good, good, single-barrel scotch. He also knew that this guy loved music and that he loved the smell and the taste of lamb chops on the grill. So this servant got very smart and he ran to the king and he said to the king, listen, you really love this guy that you're letting him into the vault. I think you should show him your true love because I know since I'm working with him for 30 years that he really loves scotch and he really loves lamb chops and he really loves music and if he comes into that vault and he has that on top of the jewels and the gold, he'll be the most thankful guy in the whole world. And the king says, yeah, you know, you're right. I'll do that for him. So the next morning, king hires, gets a guy, a bartender, and he's going to have a bar with every single malt that you ever heard of. Unbelievable stuff. And he hires the iron chef, and they're going to make lamb chops with rosemary and all kinds of barbecue sauces and, and grilled in this kind of sauce and then that kind of sauce and then that kind of lamb chops that you never heard of and you never saw in your whole life. And he went and he got together a 150-piece orchestra. And he stuck them in the vault. And this guy is all excited. There's thousands of people standing outside. They're now all going to become rich. And the servant who set up the whole thing for the king said, you know what, I'm going to go in there with him. I'm going to make sure that he's well taken care of. Nope. The guy walks in, he walks in, he walks in the first time he walked into a king's vault. There's diamonds and silver and gold and a huge orchestra, and the smell of lamb chops, and a bar, and the guy that was there, his, the servant that, used, that was working with him, that set up this whole thing, says to him, listen, what's the rush? Look at all this gold, there's billions of dollars in here. Why don't you sit down and relax? Listen to some music first. He goes, really? Those guys are here for me? He goes, yeah, sit down. What's your favorite, you know, what's your, what's your favorite song? Beethoven's Fifth, whatever it is. No, they have the orchestra play. For 15, 20 minutes, 150 pieces, 60 violins and cellos. Megalomyces, the guy is sitting there enthralled. He's in awe. He, this is his dream. And 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, a half an hour, plays this song, plays that song, plays the other song. He's just totally lost in this gorgeous, beautiful music. Okay, half an hour is up. He looks at his watch. Oh my goodness, I only have a half an hour left. The guy says, half an hour, you know what damage you can do? In this vault in a half an hour, are you kidding me? Listen, make a l'chaim. Let's make a l'chaim before, you know. Try some scotch. He ends up trying this scotch and that scotch and this scotch and that scotch. And he never tastes, this is smoky and this is Irish and this is that. You guys know more that, whatever. All kinds of, this is blended, this is that. It's amazing. Okay. And don't ask me a question, but you said it's single malt. Okay. So it's blended also there. I'm sorry for those on details. Anyway, so he's just standing, he's drinking himself drunk. Then, he's very hungry. He starts eating the lamb chops. And he's eating the lamb chops with his hands. He's going to this lamb chop. Anyway, you know where I'm going. So there's like a minute left. And he's in the middle of one hand, he's drinking the scotch. The other hand, he's eating the lamb chops. And then all of a sudden, the buzzer goes off. And the guards come running in. You can't touch anything. Nothing. Time's up. But, you're drunk, you know, but... But just, just that diamond, come, come on. And they're like, no. The king said, an hour is an hour. But, but, but just that pearl, the, 
that necklace. No, and they schlep him out. And all the people are waiting outside and they're thinking, he didn't come out the whole hour. Must be, he has like a trolley in there. They just kept loading up. He's going to come walking out the door. Huge trolley of jewels. And of course, he comes walking out the door. He's all full of lamb chops. He's full of grease. How he smells from liquor. And they're like, where's the stuff? Where the goods? And he's like, oh, well, they weren't, they, that's not important. I have music and I have lamb chops. And, and a scotch was out of hand. And everybody walks away, what a fool. What an idiot. His wife's called beating him over the head with a broom, right? What an idiot. He's coming out of here with nothing. And if I told any of you guys that it was your best friend that did that, you'd say, Rabbi, I'm never talking to him again. He's a dope. The bank on Avenue J opened the vault and said, you have one hour to go in the vault, as much money as you bring out is yours. And the guy sat in there having a slice of pizza. Pizza Nash is good, but he's eating there. He's sitting there all the time. Some pizza, give me some french fries, get me a malted across the street. And you'd say, like, Rabbi Walton, this guy, he's not normal. This is what Rabbi Yossi Ben Kisma was saying in this mission that I learned last week. Rabbi Yossi Ben Kisma said, this story is a little bit different than it looks like. Amar Rabbi Yossi Ben Kisma, Rabbi Yossi Ben Kisma said, Pamachas, it's going to happen. That you're mahalik baderech. You're on the way of life. You're living your life. You're born into a world. Upaga boy on the mechad. And you're going to meet the Yetzirah. Usually when you're about 12 years old. 11, 12, you know you're born with him, but you really get to meet him when you're like 11, 12 years old. And the Yetzirah is going to say to you, Shalom Aleichem, Chayim, Maishi Yudah. What's up? How you doing? Well, the biggest yates are of all. You go on the internet. What's the first word that you hear when you go on AOL? Welcome. Look at the Mishnah. The first word that he said when he met him was, Menasan Li Shalom. He said hello to me. Exactly, Shalom. And I said hello back to him. I looked up my mail to see why you got mail, right? Armali, Rebbe, Mezamakamata. Where are you from? Where's every guy in this room from? Where's every Jew from? The Torah wants to know. Do you know where you're from? So he asked you a question. Where are you from? So what do you answer? Brooklyn. Flatbush. Queens. If that's your answer, he's got you. You're done. You're done. Or the wise guy from my mother. Uh huh. <laughs> I've gotten that answer. I asked the guy, where are you from? My mother. It's very cute. <laughs> so, he's talking about when your Yetzirah comes to you and says, Shalom Aleichem. And you say, Shalom Aleichem to you. And he says to you, where are you from? And your answer is, where's my neshama from? Me'ir Gadala. From the biggest city in the world. Shamayim. From a huge city. You know who lives in that huge city? Chachanan and Seifrim. Sadiqim. I know where I'm from. I know where my neshama's from. My neshama's from the holiest of the holies. Ah. Amali. So he says to me right away, 
when you answer him, I come from the holiest place. Yetzirah says, I want you! Ready! Live with us in our world! Live in America, live in the streets, live on the internet, live in your text messages. Tell you something Hashem sent me last night. I was talking to a guy who was dating, whatever it was, he made a major mistake. He went out three times with a girl, he likes her very much, and he made the mistake that the next morning, he texted her. And she's a very religious girl. And she said, we're not at a point where, you're, where you can text me. In other words, what are you texting me? We're dating, it's Shiduchim. So he got very nervous that he lost this girl because he texted her. So we have a right to text a girl. You're going out with a girl. If you have something to say, call her. So I was, in, I, was in, I was in the car with him. I was talking to him. And it's something that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. And last night Hashem sent it to me. What does the Yetzirah want? Listen, nothing comes into this world. There's a purpose for everything. Why did the Yetzirah create cell phones? So we know why. Cell phones, you can talk to a girl, right? In my day, if you wanted to talk to a girl and you were in yeshiva, you had to go out of town, get there, they got some mesa, a, cell, a, a, a public phone. That no, you had to go out of the base madrash, that's for sure. You couldn't talk to a girl in the base madrash. There was no way, right? So the Yetzirah, you have to go after him. You want to go talk to a girl, you got to go somewhere where nobody's going to see you. If you want to pick up a phone, it's got to be a public phone. You know what I mean? A Gansom Meister, where no one sees you on the public phone. It's a Gansom Today, what did the Yetzirah do? He said, I'm not, it's not good enough to destroy you outside the base of Medrash. I want to go in the base of Medrash. So he, he created the cell phone so that you can be in the base of Medrash. And you, your phone vibrates, so you're looking at it, and you know she wants to talk to you. So he came into the base of Medrash. I remember when he got up and he said this. He said, the Yetzirah is in the base of Medrash. He was never in the base of Medrash. When you came into the base of Medrash, you left them outside. No more. No more guys sit in the base of Medrash and they're talking to girls and they're checking the stock market and they're talking to their office and he brought it into the base of Medrash. So I said, okay, so Yetzirah, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. You brought it into the, you brought it into the base of Medrash. But what's with the texting? Why did he come, have to come up with that? And it took off much more than the talking. It doesn't make sense. Logically, I, I'm trying to think in his head. He's a malach, right? What do you, what's the move here? Isn't it much worse if a guy talks on the phone to a girl than if he texts a girl? So, like, why don't you just leave it at, at at cell phone? Why did you go in now? Texting is much bigger than cell phone today. Much, 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 much bigger. People don't talk anymore. People don't talk anymore. They text each other. There's no more talking. No, it's true. And not only they don't talk. But there's a language that I began to learn in texting. In other words, you don't say, where are you? You say, where? That's it, one word. When you text someone where, they right away tell you where they are. Now, if you want to go out to eat with someone, you write, food. <laughs> you don't write, let's go eat. And then he'll write, yes, no, he's hungry, he's not hungry. It's a whole language. Why, it's a her wife. Why? What's the reason? He doesn't do anything for no reason. We're standing by Mashiach. This is how you're gonna, this is how you're gonna destroy the Jewish nation. This is your master plan to take us down before Mashiach comes. You created texting? Dirty movies, pornography, 
rap music, filthy books. I understand that's the Sahara. He wants to take us down. You want to take me down with text messaging? And the answer is, Neudik, last night. And the answer is, he is going after the core of the Jew. What's the core of a Jew? Yitzchak Avinu told Yaakov Avinu the core of a Jew. Kol, kol, Yaakov. Yedayim, yeday, Esav. The voice is the voice of Yaakov. The hand that texts is the hand of Esav. Yedayim is Esav. Kol is Yaakov. So if he could get us Jewish people out of the world of Kol, out of the world of talking to each other, into the world of Yedayim, we're done. Why? Why are we done? Because our whole power is tefillah. The difference between an animal and a human is not texting. It's talking. The world was created on four levels. Domeim is a rock. Tzameach is a plant. Chai is an animal. And Medaber is a human. We're not called Chai with a brain. We're not called Chachma. We're not called Bina. We're called a Medaber. And if the Satan can stop us from talking to each other, from talking to people, then we're going to lose that connection of Medaber. And the only reason that God gave a human being, like we're not an animal, we could live like an animal, on instinct, we don't have to talk. They don't talk, they have children, they have what to eat. So why did he give us the ability to talk? Because if we can talk to each other, then we can talk to Hashem. So we learned how to talk to have a relationship with someone else that I could talk to somebody that I could say I'm angry, that I could say I love you, that I could say whatever I have to say out of my mouth, right? That I have the power to say that. Hashem gave that to me so that I could take that and give it to Him. I honestly don't believe that if someone would sit here and text to Hashem, God, I love you, I don't believe that He will get any credit whatsoever. I don't believe that's a tefillah and I don't believe that's accepted in Shemayim. Not for one second. And if the Eight Sahara can take this generation and destroy their power of Dibur, of being able to talk to somebody, because they're busy looking at their stupid screen a whole day and doing these black little letters that have no feelings, that don't care, that don't connect, and that's what they become, then they will not know how to daven to Hashem. They're going to ask Hashem for food, or they ask Hashem to be able to see, instead of saying, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, right? Pokeach Ivrim, they're going to send Hashem a text. See? S-E-E. See? That's it. God understands. Instead of davening for food, all right, food. Or here. And we'll write one word, and, and that'll be our whole connection. And that's what he's doing. He is taking the ability to talk from one person to another, because if he takes that away, that whole generation will not understand how to talk to Hashem. And it's happening. It's really, really happening. Communication skills of this generation is almost zero. They don't know how to communicate their emotions. That's why guys and girls are having so many problems on Shidduchim. They don't know how to talk, because they don't talk anymore. Because they're on a computer a whole day, and they're typing. So they don't know how to tell someone, yeah, they can get on the internet at night and send messages, I'm six foot four when the guy's five foot two, and, I, and I'm 25 years old, and he's 14 years old, and I have two houses in the Hamptons and three boats, and four, because, because that's the internet, because you could be 
who you're not, so you never have to look at yourself. And if you never look at yourself, you're never going to grow. So he created a place where you can be anyone you want to be except yourself. And nobody's happy with themselves. So the internet took off, went crazy, went nuts. Chat rooms, chat rooms. Let's think about a chat room for a second. You're going into a room with ten other people who you have no idea who they are. They got some crazy name, magic one, two, three, four, six, one, cutie, right? Right? And that's, and you're talking to this magic two, three, one cutie. You have no idea who this person is. They could be a rapist, a murderer, a killer. They could be on their computer in Alcatraz or in a penitentiary somewhere or in a crazy house. You don't know who you're talking to, right? And you got 10 such people and you walk into this chat room. Shalom, how's everybody doing? And you're talking to all these people. And you have no idea who they are, right? But why do people do this? So why do you do it? I'm talking to nine Meshugam. If those nine Meshugam would come to my house, I would throw them out, each one of them at the front door. What do I have to talk to you? I don't know you. I don't want to talk to you. You're weird. I'm not so weird. What am I doing, right? But Yitzhahara is very smart, and he knows that people don't like who they are. So he gave them a place where you could go into this chat room, into this room, and you could be anyone you want. So you're sitting there for seven hours being someone who you're not. And that's why the internet world is so unbelievable and people go into chat rooms. Now, that same person that's in that chat room that's talking about love and poems, you know, I don't have to tell you guys the tricks. You got to get the guys sit there with these books or these, these Hallmark cards and they, when they go into the room, they want to sound like, hey, hey uh, macho hacho, you know, hachi machi. So they read, they're typing in to the girl a poem, right, from the, from the card. And then you want to know when he goes on a date, he doesn't know what to tell her because he didn't bring his Hallmark cards with him. So he can't talk to her because he's busy doing this, you understand? And his mazel, the girl, Right? Saw that card in the store and she's right back. Oh, I, I, I saw that card. That's a dollar sixty-five Hallmark in CVS. But, but what is he doing? It's very funny, but it's not very funny. We're being, the whole, the whole, the whole youth of our generation has absolutely no communication. So you gotta go to life coaches and you gotta go to therapists. I didn't go to no therapist or life coach to, to understand how to talk to someone because that's all I could do. I couldn't type you. I couldn't text you. I had to talk to you. So that's how I learned my skills. So he's taking away those skills. And if he takes away those skills, you can't dive it anymore. You can't communicate because you can't communicate with a human being that you see. How can you communicate with God who you don't see? It's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's a malach. But we're not so stupid. So we have to understand that. Besides all the other trouble that I don't have to get into that it does. Call, call Yaakov. A Jew uses his voice. You die in the day, Esau. If you have to communicate through your hands, then you better be deaf. Because if you're not deaf, then you shouldn't be communicating with your hands. Hashem gave you hearing, and He gave you a voice, and therefore you don't have to communicate with your hands. And again, I'm not telling you that a great tzaddik said this. This is my opinion. You don't have to go with my opinion. But to me, when you die in the day, Esau, and Kolka Yaakov came into my head, hello, that's a partial long, long, long time ago. So in this Mishnah, in this Mishnah, this is what he's saying. That a person comes into this world and Hashem says, every minute you can learn Torah, every minute you can wear tzitzes, you can put on tzitzes, you can daven, you can get a million mitzvahs a day. Come into my treasury, you're my soul, you're the Neshama. I got gold and treasures. Look at all the swarm in the back. 
Give some money to tzedakah, put on a pair of tzitzes. You gotta be out of your mind. You gotta be crazy not to wear tzitzes. Every second of the day you get a mitzvah. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. What idiot doesn't wear tzitzes? You gotta be nuts. Tzvillin, okay, you gotta go to Minion, it's a certain time. You put on tzitzes in the morning. You don't have to be a genius to figure out how to put on tzitzes. And the rest of the day, you're not even thinking about them. Boom, 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 boom. They're putting money in your account. Like a like a billion dollar slot machine in the sky. The money just keeps going. He waits. So a guy that gets up in the morning and doesn't put on scissors. What? It's it's itchy. It's itchy. Well, they came up with undershirts with scissors and have all kinds of ideas. And if it's a little itchy, after a while you won't feel it anymore. Millions of bits. Hashem says, I got this huge. Huge vault called the world. You can take an apple and make a H. You can take a flower and make a bracha. You can bend down and help somebody pick something up. You can learn Torah. You can support someone to learn Torah. This goal. So what did the Eitzahara say? Hey, Chayamo, my buddy. What do you like? Girls? Pot? Scotch? Television? DVDs? Whatever you want. We're going to put it in the vault for you. Because I love you. It's like a love to all of you guys. I love you. I want to make sure that while, you know, in between the learning of the Torah, you know, you'll have your rap music, your 150 piece, you know. Well, they don't have 150 piece. Your one piece, you know. DJ with the scratching the thing, whatever he does over there. <laughs> He's crazy, the Sahara. He's crazy. He's not here tonight. One of my Talmudim, I said, no, what'd you do, Matzah Shabbos? What'd you do, Matzah Shabbos? He goes, Rebbe. Oh, hey, Rebbe, you don't even understand. I'm like, maybe I don't want to know what you did, Matzah Shabbos. <laughs> He's like, no, man. I went to the Hamptons. I said, really? What'd you do in the Hamptons? He says, Rebbe. I'm like, what? He goes, there was a DJ party. What's a D- Isn't there a DJ at the party? What's a DJ party? He says... Oh, you're disconnected, Rebbe. I'm like, I know you make a party, have a DJ, there's some guy standing there and he's going, eh, uh, eh, uh, and everyone's like, oh my God, he's the God of DJ. Like, you know, when I was a kid, we had vinyls. If I did that, my father killed me because I scratched the record. You kidding? Don't touch the vinyl. Now they pay guys millions of dollars, stand there with a bunch of lights, and the guy stands up there, eh, eh, scratch, scratch, scratch. Everyone's like, you have to see him. So he said, I said, what is a DJ party? He goes, Rebbe, the hottest DJ. And he got up there, and, and he was doing that scratching thing, and Rebbe! And I'm like, you are such an idiot. What is that? How could you enjoy that? And he's like, you just don't understand. I'm like, how high were you? Because you got to be pretty high to appreciate a guy scratching a record. So I'm thinking to myself, look at this unbelievable Yetzirah. He's amazing. Whatever you like, he puts in your room. He puts in the world. So you like girls? They'll get a girl connected to you. So what happens after 120 years? After 120 years and you're busy, you're in the room the whole time. Your whole life, you're in the room. And there's jewels and there's gold and there's tefillin and there's tzitzes and there's learning and there's mitzvahs and there's... Right? What do we say when you learn Pekah of us? Hashem wanted to give us a schuss. He gave us a lot of Torah mitzvahs because he filled up the whole vault for you. The whole vault. But your friend over here, the Yitzhahara, no. So, no, what's the rush? 
How many guys have heard this in your head? You're 19! When you're like Rabbi Wallstein, you're 50, eh, then you'll start learning. He started late. You can start late too. You know, what's the rush? 50, you're still having a good time? 70, 80, when I can't walk no more and I can't see the girls because I have no vision. I have cataracts, right? So, and, and I can't hear the rap music because my ears, I've, I haven't heard anything in five years. You understand? And I can't do anything else. Maybe golf a little bit, well, a little bit. Then I'll do tshuva. Right? But Hashem doesn't work that way. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a person, like, whatever it is, we don't know when, the alarm goes off. And there's the Malcham of us. The angel of death, ready to take your soul. And you're like, oh, oh my God. I, 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 I didn't do tzitzis. I didn't do trillin. I didn't keep shabbat. I didn't eat kosher. Oh, Malcham of us, give me two minutes. I'll put it on my trillin. Over. Bell rang. You can't do nothing anymore. Too late. And all the Malachim are waiting up there because you see, your neshama, no one in this room's neshama is a new neshama. So when you came down to this world, everybody gave you a beautiful, like the boat that they break the champagne on. They said, Hey, look at neshama! It's a Zaya! Should have brought it tonight. Amazing Zaya! Hey, look at neshama, says Hashem to the neshama! You holy soul, you're going in down to my world. A world that's full of mitzvahs and Torah. Bring it back with you. And your whole family is there. And everyone from the last time in the world is there. And they're saying, holy neshama, when you go into the world, come back with goodies. We'll be here when you get back. We're waiting for you in Ganeiden. And the, the Zaya says that the neshama that comes down to this world, that means every guy in this room, everyone who has a neshama, that's every guy in this room, makes a shvua. Swears. I'm going to bring the Zaya next week and I'm going to read it to you. Swears in front of Hashem, in front of Bezin Shalmaila, I will go down to that world and I will bring back goodies. And what do we bring back? And they're all waiting. The person passes away. They're all waiting after the shiva. The neshama goes up to the next world and they're all waiting. New... Where's the cartload? Where's the mitzvos? And they look at a neshama that's full of lamb chops. That's full of DVDs. DVDs of movies, of things that don't exist. Of things that aren't real. Of fantasies. The whole life is a fantasy. You bring up a fantasy, but in the next world there is no fantasy. It's all real. You know when the movie's over? When's the movie over, boys? Someone said, after the credits. No, there's still idiots sitting there after the credits. They didn't get up yet. (laughs) When do you know the movie's over? When the lights go on. When you die and the lights go on, you realize the whole thing is over. It's all a bluff. It's all a bluff. We live in the darkness. The Yetzirah doesn't let you turn the light on, but you have to turn the light on. Tyra's the R. If you turn the light on, all the girl stuff, all this stuff, it's a bluff. It's a way to get you to stay in this world and not take the diamonds. And you walk out like that idiot with lamp chops on your, on, on your face. With music and cars and money, which mean nothing. And they're like, new something. Did you bring us anything? Did you keep your shvua? And this is what Rabbi Yaisi ben Kishma was saying to this, to this satan. Who stopped and said, come with me. I got good stuff. And Rabbi Yaisi ben Kishma said, I'm sorry. I said to him, If you gave me all your materialism in this world, I'm a neshama, and I only live with this Torah. That's where I live. 
And therefore, he added, and he said to the Mount, to the Satan, I know, when I leave this world, I'm not going to go with gold or silver, only with my Torah and my Mysen Torah. It's an amazing, amazing Mishnah. It's a Mishnah, boys, about life. This week's Parsha, this week's Parsha, at the end of Parsha's Balak, is a very famous story, which I think also is, is the Torah, you know, the Torah is forever, and I think it very much is a reflection in our life. And it says like this. The Jewish nation was going up against Moab. And Bilam, in this week's Pasha, tried to curse us many times. It didn't work. It didn't work. Listen carefully. Amar Bilam, Lezikne Moab, Lezikne Midjan. Bilam was a very big Russia. He was very smart. He served the servants of the Satan. And he told the, the elders of Moab and Midian, he said, listen to me. Du'u, you should know. Listen to what he's, listen to Bilam. Now, we're talking about a guy. We're not talking about a rabbi talking here. We're talking about the lowest of the lowest guy that ever lived. Bilam's wife was his donkey. Okay? So you have to know how low he was. Not funny. He was, he did Zima. She turned to him and she said, I'm your wife. Why are you kicking me? Because to get to the highest power of the dark side, he had to do the worst averus that were possible. So his wife, he lived with his donkey. That was his wife. Physically. The Torah talks about it. So this man, I want, I want to quote him. I'm not quoting Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm not quoting Yosef Atzadi. I'm not quoting the Chavetz Chaim. I'm quoting the lowest guy that ever lived. I want you to hear what this guy said. He said like this. Do you should know. He told the other guy. If you were to gather all the armies in the whole world. You cannot beat the Jewish nation. You're not stronger than Paro. He's giving the Musr. And he had 600 Rechab Bachor. That's not going to happen. And he said, what happened to the whole Mitzrayim? Tububayam. They were all drowned. He said, now listen to me. Now, if you want to beat them, and you want to make them a smaller nation, listen, Listen to my advice. As long as the Jewish nation does the will of God, Hashem will fight for them. Hashem will fight for the Jews, and the Jews can rest. When we're doing the right thing, you don't got to worry about Obama, Shmubama, Iraq, Shmirak, all these people, you don't have to worry about nothing. The Torah tells you, if you're doing the right thing, the Jewish nation, just rest. Hashem says, I will handle everything. Says Bilam, if they don't do the will of Hashem, Hashem will not help them. And they won't even be able to lift their heads against their enemies. Now, what does that mean that they're not doing the Malachim? Listen to how smart he was. He said, this is what you need to do. You should know. Their God shall elu of these people. 
He hates immorality. He hates boy and girl. He hates adultery. He hates Jewish boys looking at, at women. Zima. God hates Zima. And I'm not talking about the drink. I hope you guys don't know what that is. Okay. In Cain, therefore, listen to the advice that Bilaam gave him. In Cain, Aleichem Lasleis Dover, Biznus. You gotta come up with a plan to get the Jews to trip into doing some kind of immorality. We gotta get them. If we don't get them to do something immoral, we can't beat them. Okay. He said, this is how, how smart he was. He said the Jews were a lot, were in Mitzrayim for a long time. And in, in Mitzrayim there was a lot of linen, a lot of flax. But now that they're in the desert, they don't have linen. He said, Listen how brilliant it was. There was a mountain there. They can show you the tourists, the tour guides in Israel. They show you this mountain, wherever it was. Visham. This was his plan. Build beautiful tents. Put in women of ill repute that are very dressed very beautiful. They should be standing at the edge of their tent selling, not put up a sign that they're women of ill repute because the Jews are not going to go into the movie theater. It's not going to work. You're not going to get them into these places on the internet that you're not, it's not going to work. You've got to put something out there that looks kosher! Facebook. <laughs> it's got to be kosher. Right? It's got to be kosher. It's just, let me tell you something. One thing you learn when you learn Torah, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So his plan was, listen, you're going to put a bunch of not-dressed women standing outside a tent. The Jews are going to walk by. They're going to go the other way. They're not going to look. So he was very brilliant. Billiam, Billiam said, don't do that. Have a bunch of women dressed very nicely at the edge of their tents selling linen. Nice linen shirts, nice linen pants, linens for the beds. Just like a regular shook. Should look like a regular shook. Listen carefully. Listen to what they did. This is an amazing midrash. And he says like this. Okay. So they set up these tents along the derech, along the way. Inside the tent was a woman of ill repute. For all those who don't know what that means, you can ask me after the share. Okay, there was a woman of ill repute, and other a woman who does bad things was inside the tent, dressed very beautiful. They took an old lady, listen to this, they took an old lady, and they put her at the door. The, the, the Zaina was inside the tent, and they got an old lady to stand at the door of the tent, right? And what was she doing at the door of the tent? She was standing at the door of the tent selling linen. Beautiful, nothing wrong, right? So the Jews left their tents after they ate and drank, right? And they walked by, and the lady said, the old lady said, would you like to buy some very beautiful linen? So the Jew asked, how much is it? Right? Is it retail or wholesale? What's the deal? So now the Zaina that was inside came to the, to the, to the door and she was very, very dressed up and she was wearing jewels. 
don't you come inside? Come inside, check out the linen. No, this is a very brilliant medrash because things have not changed. So, very innocent guys, really innocently, there was an old lady, she got them to come, he, you know, he walked up to the tent door because there was an old lady, it's no problem, right? And now already a young girl came, he's asking, he already saw the goods, he saw the linen, now he wants to buy the linen, so, so you know, you're not so from anymore because you want to get, you know, what you want to get. So it's like, okay, we'll look at her when I buy it, you know what I mean? But, because the other one wasn't dressed very sneezistic, right? So she says, why don't you come in? Why don't you come inside? Now the Jewish guy's like, I'm not going in there with her, right? That's his first reaction. So she says, oh, we're different? Klum? Aren't we all Americans? Aren't we all family? How many times a guy has tripped and been with a non-Jewish girl because she said, what are you, you Jews are different, you're judging us? And like he felt like, oh, well, I don't want to stop that. You know, I'm not a bigot. You know, I'm not a racist. So like, you know, I can't not talk to the girl at work because she's not Jewish because that would be a chilachem. <laughs> Being with her physically, that's not a problem. But uh, it didn't change. It didn't change. So he felt... He was leaving and she said, hello, aren't we all one family? Terach of the Avi Avram? Wasn't Terach the father of Avram? Why is there hatred between us? We love you. And you're special by us, Jewish guy. You guys are special, Jewish men. They're so nice, they're different. Than other men. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, some guys in this room have heard that. Hey, come on, we heard about you guys. You don't beat your wives. You guys are nice guys. Why don't you like us? And the guy feels bad, like, you know, because we always want to be like them, like now all of a sudden I'm like, she's calling me a racist, like, I gotta talk to her and I gotta go out to eat lunch with her and I gotta take her out on a date and I gotta marry her because, because otherwise I, they're going to call me a racist. I'm reading you, not my own words. I'm reading you, Amam Loya's Medrash. We love you. We care about you. You're one of us. In Cain, Busha Limkolachem. She goes, You know what? If that's how you feel, we don't want to sell you. We want to be your friends. We want to show you, even though you don't love us. And you think you're different than us? We love you. So hang out with us in the club, baby. And listen to our music. And be part of our culture. Because even if you don't love us, we love you. And here's a joint for free, because I care about you, guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want your money. The guy's like, free? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> now he's inside. She says, let me give you something to eat and drink. Sit down. You know, before you buy the stuff, you have to sit down and eat and drink. We're not going to do anything. Why are you doing anything wrong? I just, I just want to go out for lunch with you. I just want to hang out with you. Just go to a movie. I promise I won't touch you. You have nothing to worry about. Just, have, you know, let's just eat and talk. Office stuff. College stuff. 
no, no, you know, no touchy stuff. Just let's go out to eat. I'm reading you, this is the parasha, this is this week's parasha. And whilst he's not, I'm reading you word for word from inside. This is this week's parasha. Okay? So now he doesn't eat. Hey, Mama Yisrael, she says, but I know you're not going to eat my food. You're not going to come with me to Domino's. So let's go to Kosher the Life together. I'll go to your place. Let's go somewhere where it's kosher. Then we'll go to Dunkin' Donuts. Right? So she tells him, listen to this, it's unbelievable. So she says, I understand you. No problem. I understand you. It's not a personal thing. You guys are kosher. I understand that. You guys are kosher. <laughs> you go to the movie theater, right? You go up and ask him, new to popcorn, what kind of oil are you using? <laughs> I love that. You go, why are you going to rate an X movie, rate an R movie? Who knows what kind of dirt? Rebbe, I checked out the popcorn. It's not vegetable oil. It's coconut oil. It has an OU. Sugar now, where are you? What are you doing? So she said, listen. She said, no. You can come into my room. No problem. And I got something. I have a knife. And I have a lamb. And you can check it. I'm not even going to check it. You can check it. Check them with your own knife. I respect Judaism. Like your God tells you. I respect you. You don't know how many guys I'm never married today to, to Goyesha women. And they tell me, she respects my religion. She lets me eat kosher. <laughs> she respects, you're married to a guy. you have children that aren't Goyim. But what, what he, why did he fall in? If she would have said, I want you to be a Christian, he would say, you crazy, my grandmother, I'm not going to be a Christian. But they're very smart. It's always very smart. So what she's saying is, oh, I respect you. I respected you. I respect you. You want to, we, we married, we'll live together. You can bring kosher food into the house, no problem. You'll have your food, I'll have my food. Nebuch, Nebuch, we fall for this every day. Thousands of Jews assimilating and marrying. So she says, you can shake your animal. Okay, onward. Then, He's like, wow, free linen. They gave me a whole lamb chop, a whole lamb to shech. This is, this is unbelievable. And she still doesn't want to touch me. So I'm a tzaddik. This is great. I'm going to go home with free linen and lamb chops for my whole family. It's amazing. Okay. No. So she says, you, you should eat in my, like you're one of my, you're, you're family. We are family. You're family. Shari ain't on a We're ready, like, you know, we're buddies, man. We're buds. You know, we're not far from each other. We're, we're hanging out together. Huh? I don't do nothing. Well, you like Kitan Shoyayin. She prepared a bottle of wine. When Amuchan that was prepared, but not like Lishtais. And she gave it to him to drink. She also died like Nessa Yayin Goyim. Because at this point in the Torah, we were allowed to drink wine from Goyim. The reason you're not allowed to drink wine from Goyim is because of this whole story. Now that he drank the wine, the venom of the Yetzirah began to go through his veins. And she began to say, no, why can't we be together? What's your rush to get out? Because it's a new he, he He got the linen. You hear this? He's in the room with her alone. He got the lamb chops, he's drunk, and he still wants to run away, because that's a Jew. He still, his, he still wanted to get out. And she says to him, I don't understand, what's the rush? Where are you running? 
I am yours at any time that you want me. Go check the chicken. I'll give you a chicken. But I want you to do me a favor. Why don't you do me a favor? He's already drunk. Listen to what these goyim did to us. Listen to what they want to do to us. And I'm not a bigot. And I'm not a racist. But I'm a Jew. And that's who we are. And that's who we have to be proud of. So he already shechted the lamb. So he already ate. So now what, do you, what does she want from him? She says, take your, 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 your chalif, your knife, and take this chicken, and do me a favor. I didn't eat yet. I don't like lamb. I like chicken. Do me a favor. Go in front of my little Avodah Zara here, and shecht him in front of the Avodah Zara. Shecht the chicken in front of Baal Pa'ar. No. Shaloi Hayyuk What's the damage of shackling a chicken in front of a Rabbi Dezara? Like Yisrael Hazeh, Shekva Shosim and Ayayi, and this Jew who already drank from the wine, who Papa Ha'aroi Shachat, he's already, the, 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 the venom is running through his veins. He shackled the chicken in front of Babar, so he did Rabbi Dezara. And then, of course, he was with her, and, and the Satan, the Satan got him. Not only that, listen to what she says at the end. After he did, he, he shechted this chicken to the Avoy Zara. So he's Oyven Avoy Zara, and now he's crazy to have her. He's crazy, he's drunk. He's got this beautiful zaina. He's on fire, right? That's it. He did everything. I'm ready. Let's go, right? You know what she said to him? She said, Uval is that law. He went. He, he he walked over to. Her. He wanted to be with her. Amr, she said, I will not sleep with you. unless until you get up and deny God's Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah. It's all a setup, boys. It's all a setup to take your neshama, to take it down, to take it to the other side. The internet, the girls. The whole Goyesha culture, it's a setup. It's not to be your friend, it's not to give you pleasure, it's to take you to the lowest part of the, of the Satan's world and the next world that you'll never ever get out of. It's a setup. And she said it. She said, I'm not giving you nothing until you get up and you say you deny God's and Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah. What a medrash. What a true every word in this medrash. I see it every single day in our day in our generation. That's all it's about. And it answers a question. It answers a question. Of course, we know the Jews started dying. It was a terrible plague. And Pinchas had to get up and kill a Nazi, which was next week. We'll talk how a Nazi fell that far. But anybody could fall that far. And it answers a question. I'm going to end with this. It answers a question that I spoke by the girls last week. So, and then I'll tell you a short little thing so we don't end on a tough note, but there are two Averis right now that Jewish kids are doing that they never, well, they always did a little bit, but not like it is today. Today it's like totally out of control. And, I, you know, I like to study the Eitzahara, and I'd like to understand why he picked these two Averis. Chil Shabbos. Guys take cigarettes on Shabbos on Ocean Parkway. And then Michal Shabbos. Some of them don't even smoke during the week. And every guy that smokes knows that on Shabbos, you don't have the Yitzhah to smoke. My father smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. From the beginning of Shabbos to Matzah Shabbos, he had no problem. He always said the Neshama Yisera is instead of the smoking. You don't need it. It's true. 
Any smoke will tell you a second after Shabbos, <laughs> and the last second on the way to Shul, <laughs> but Shabbos, you're good. Shabbos, you're good. So there are kids that are being machal Shabbos. I heard about six or eight girls about a month ago went on the train on Avenue J, took it up to Church Avenue, and took it back and got off the train. They didn't go anywhere. They wanted to be machal Shabbos. And, and, and lightning didn't come out and strike them down dead. So they told everyone, yeah, hey, we went on the train on Shabbos. And today there's a lot of kids. Machal Shabbos, they go home. They go home in front of their parents and they flick on off the light. Ah, see, I'm a Chal Shabbos. It's not a joke. I'm not talking about a little amount. I'm talking about a lot of kids. What, what are you getting from it? I, I understand. I don't understand, but I do understand if, you, if your favorite TV show was on Shabbos and you couldn't control yourself and you turned on the TV, okay, it's a Taiva. You, you couldn't control yourself. Whatever, it's not good. But the flick on the light? Where'd you get from it? So it's the Yetzirah, it's a Shtus, it's stupidity. Of all the of all the things we have, the nicest mitzvah is Shabbos. And they want to be Machal Shabbos. You can eat chillant and you can rest and you can learn and you can read and you can chill. It's not a hard, you know, Yom Kippur is a lot harder. Yom Kippur everybody keeps and Shabbos these kids are not keeping. What does, what, why does the Satan want Chil Shabbos? And the second thing is boys being with girls. Much more than when my generation or even the generation after me. It's out of control, 14-year-olds and 13-year-olds and 15-year-olds and girls getting pregnant. And what is going on here? What is it? We're at the end. We're at the end. We're so close to the end that next week in Mitzvah Hashem, I'm going to tell you a story that, right, that I was told. Forget, we're right there. Two months, three months. I, I'm not going to say that. Who am I to say it? But we're there. Iraq's going down. The whole world, the world. I mean, look what's going Look what's going on. I told you a few weeks ago. I said this in Eretz Yisrael. I told you, watch out, watch what's going to happen in California when they voted that, that, that same-sex marriages will be allowed. And then two weeks ago, they had these 45-year-old lesbians that were together for 45 years old, and they made a big thing in California that that's the first two people of the same sex that are going to get married before Hesha in God's face, his Toeva, California. And I said by the girl share, you have my word, you have my word. And I'm not cursing California. If you, have, if you have family in California, get them out. Because there's going to be a fire there. There's going to be a crazy fire there. I said it's on tape. There's going to be a crazy fire because it's straightful. Because immorality is, is... And guess what this week? Out of control. And Hashem screaming, look, look, look. And how did the fire start? So if it would have been that a guy threw a cigarette on the floor, okay, Rabbi, what are you talking about? It's a human being. It started with lightning. Read the news. It's not my news. It started with lightning. So Hashem sends lightning, thousands of homes, thousands of acres of land. They got, the, the, the firemen are working there. The whole place is burning down. And everyone's like, eh, fire in California. <laughs> fire in California. He's screaming. Hashem is screaming. Screaming. And we don't get it. So why these two things? I'll tell you why these two things. Because the punishment for Shabbos being Machal Shabbos without Edom and Hasra, with Edom and Hasra Skila, we don't have that. It's Kares. It's being cut off from God. The punishment of a boy and a girl, a girl who's a Nida, a boy being with a girl who's a Nida, is Kares. Therefore, the Satan says, if I'm going down, I am taking as many Jewish souls and children that I can with me. Because I'm going down. He's gone. He's done. When Mashiach comes. And he knows. So this last generation, he wants Chilo Shabbos. He wants Kores. He wants Nida. He wants Kores. 
so that you can't be, when Mashiach comes, you can't be part of it. And we're all falling for it. And we're flipping on lights. And we're Chayim Kares. For what? For what? So, you don't got to go jump off a roof tonight. Because you can do, you can do Chuvan Kares. But you have to do Chuvan Kares. You can't walk around and say, you know, I was this girl, I was with that girl. You know what you're screaming? I was with this girl, I was that girl. You know? I got 15 names that I have on the wall that I was with. You're screaming, I have 15 times Kares! That's what you're telling your friends! Last night, I was Chayim Kares! Is that what you're going to go around and tell your friends? Last night I was Chayim Kares? Two nights ago I was Chayim Kares? Is that what you want to scream to Shemayim? That the Malachim and the, and the birds should take to Shemayim? Chaim Moshe is walking around that he's Chayev Kores, that he's with this girl, and Chayev Kores with that girl? What, are you out of your minds? That's what you're proud of? That's what you chew on. Or, I went on a train on Shabbos? Shugal, are you crazy? The answer is, no, we're not crazy. But something's very smart. When Mashiach comes, he wants to take everybody with him. That's why he's a Satan. So we have to be smarter. We have to do tshuva. We have to stay away from these things. Nobody has the Yitzhah. I have not seen a bunch of kids hanging out in Brooklyn in a Burger King. Never saw it. I have never seen a kid at risk eating a cheeseburger or lobster or shrimp or oysters. Why not? It's not Chayv Kares. Yitzhah is not interested in that. My day, that was the problem. My day, kosher was the problem. Guys were sneaking in, eating stuff that wasn't kosher. Today, no one's interested. Where do they hang out? In the kosher Dunkin' Donuts. Where do they hang out? In the kosher pizza shop. Nobody's going to Burger King or McDonald's. Not a car race. The doesn't, ah, that's not worth it. I want you in the I want your soul. So we have to do tshuva. We're still alive. The sheikh's not here yet. You have time to do tshuva. person can do tshuva. What are you waiting for? I was in the mountains. <coughs> And I like to think a little bit out of the box. And one night I was walking in, in Regency, in Woodridge, where I am. And I saw many, many fireflies. I don't know if you've ever seen a firefly. It's called a lightning bug, a firefly. This little thing that flies and it's, the back of it lights up every couple of seconds. So I was, I was watching this and it's like amazing. It's like amazing. A bug that lights up. <laughs> no batteries. No recharge. What makes that bug light up? You guys have seen it. Do you ever think about it? What's up with this thing? Why does Shem make it? It doesn't give me enough light not to trip in the woods, right? A bug knows where it's going. And if it needed to know where it's going, then Hashem should have put it in the front of the bug, the light, not in the back of the bug. It doesn't need tail lights. It needs headlamps, right? So, so I'm looking at this bug and I'm like, what, he wants to make sure the bug behind him don't crash into him? <laughs> And he, and he's taillights, you know, also he's gonna have like a, a blinker on the side, you know, you know, like, so, so, but I don't, I don't just look at things in this world. I'm like, Hashem, let's talk. What's with the bug that lights up? So I went today, I went today, and I, I didn't do it, but I had my secretary Google, right, this bug to see what makes it tick, what makes it light. Now I heard that there's a whole shear, Rabbi Mills, um, they give a whole shear, Rabbi, Rabbi Kozlowitz told me, that one of the proofs against um, atheism and against the whole Darwin theory is this bug. Because for it to light up, there's like a, a thousand things that have to happen at the same moment in its body. 
And nobody could say, even the craziest scientists, could say that those thousand things happened in one moment by accident. So he's, he brought that, he gave the whole share on this. Maybe I'll let him come in here one day and give the share on this bug. Interesting. But I'll tell you what I read. I, I, I started reading, it's 40 pages long. I just started to read. I want to tell you one thing about why it lights up. Very fascinating. The reason it lights up, it's a defensive mechanism. What's a defensive? I would say just the opposite. If the other bugs see, hey, hello, shoot them down, right? Turn your lights off, you know? The guy's up there, you know, 40 feet off the ground, he's, he lights up. So what's the defensive mechanism of this bug? The, the lightning bug. Kids like to call it lightning bugs. Um, the defensive mechanism is like this. This bug, because of the chemical that's in it, whatever it's called, it tastes terrible. Terrible tasting bug. And bugs know what bugs taste good, what don't taste good. And this is, this is Takarish Baruch. It's amazing. This is Googled. I Googled it. So at night, it, it flies at night. It lives at night. It flies at night. So at night, in the dark, another bug that's bigger, they each eat, you know, the one lower than them, would eat it, not knowing what kind of bug it is, because it's dark. So Hashem made that it has a, a light in the back, as a defense, because bugs eat from the back. They don't eat the head, they eat the back. So that it shouldn't be attacked from the back, because every bug, the bigger bugs that eat these bugs, would see, oh, that's a firefly. Firefly is, 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 is disgusting, and he would go away from it. So it's a defensive mechanism so that another bug shouldn't eat it by accident thinking that it's just a regular bug. Amazing. And there's no God in this world? Hello, you got to be out of your minds. Prove me God, man. Look at the flipping flat little bug. You need, you need me to come in with all kinds of stories. Hashem makes it light up so the other bug should know that it's a firefly so he shouldn't eat it because he, he knows that it doesn't taste good. But if it's dark, he's going to eat the wrong bug. You hear this to protect this silly little bug. Amazing. Amazing. God is amazing. But you got to look at the firefly, and you got to think about it. You know how many people are in my colony that these bugs fly around like, get away, get away, get away. <laughs> they ever think for one second what, why, who, where, a bug that has a light? Where does the light come from? Where's electricity? We know you need electricity. You need a battery. You need something. I try to understand the scientific way that it's made. They, they don't even, they, they, you want to know the truth? They can't explain it because I was reading it. It's, it's, it looked like a fumble mumble how they were trying to explain what's in it, this fluorescent that's in it, whatever it is. It's amazing. So I thought to myself, and this is my, this is my ending, I thought to myself, aha. Torah is Ira. Torah is R. Every Jew that learns Torah is a firefly. Because he has an R, he has a light. That he's different. He has a light that says, I'm different. I'm not the bug that you're just going to eat. I don't taste good. I'm not like the rest of you. I'm different than the rest of you. I don't go to your clubs. I don't watch your television. I don't watch your DVDs. I don't listen to your garbage music. I'm different. I'm a firefly. I have a yarmulke on my head. I have scissors coming out of my shirt. I'm different. Don't come after me because you're wasting your time. Don't come after me by accident. I'm not one of you. I'm different. And I don't taste so good. Because I don't join. I don't, I don't hang with you guys. I'm not one of you. And that was this week's parsha. And that's where the Jews fell. They weren't fireflies. That's where they fell. And we need to learn from that little teeny bug that we're different. It all night flashes and says, stay away from me. I don't taste good. I'm not like the rest of the things you eat all day. I'm not good for you. I'm different. And that's what we all need to know.
I'd like to give next week my share on Mashiach. I hope that Mashiach next week will give my share on Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.